We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is going to be your Wednesday, May 17th edition. Recording it late night because we're crossing over to the left coast, bringing in Jordan Zern for the first. Jordan, this is the first time we've talked in a little bit. We went on a little bit of a uh, a, a Rachel Ross break. We're on a break, okay? It's just a break, <laughs> but we're back together now. We're gonna we're gonna record a pod. What's up, man? Yeah, I was. Uh, it has been a while, um, but we are. Do want to make it clear we are on a break. Um, this is not a breakup. It was just a break. Um, but uh, yeah, man, things are good. Um, football still fear, feels like pretty far away, but you know, between the draft and then the, the Darius trade, like you know, there's some. I got some. T- I got some football tinglings, Jake. So it's a good. It's a good time to connect on this pod as uh, as the tinglings start a little bit. Yeah, we usually don't get those sort of little exciting jitters. Uh, jitters probably not the right word. Jolts, I would say, is a little better uh, between after the draft and before OTAs. But the Browns are deciding to bring in a bunch of veterans uh, and, and bolster the roster and really prove to us uh, more so than ever now that they're all in. Their their entire approach is uh, we're going to you know try to close up every hole on this roster as best we can and push forward in a, in a way that says we're chasing Super Bowls. We're going to we're going to change the name of the show. I've talked about that on this show, uh, how they've gone about just shifting their aura here. And I think we'll start off with the personnel they've brought in. We don't have to rehash all of it. I, I do want to let you riff a little bit on Zadarius. But in the midst of that, once you talk a little about your thoughts on that trade, like they seem to be bringing in some culture changing, at least trying to bring in veterans who uh, have experience winning and, and been in some good environments. And I think that there's some positive signs early here based on how Zadarius is kind of, you know, social media postings. And I think Juan Thornhill feels like a guy who's won Super Bowls expects to win. Uh, Rodney McLeod, obviously been around a ton of winning in the NFL. I, I feel like, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, Jordan, as I'm kind of I'm giving you a, a double question. The trip to Greenbrier, the things they're doing going to Philly, 
it seems like they're trying to build a team vibe, like a more collective group than ever before. It's a conscientious effort to do that. And I just want to see if you feel the same way about that, because I think they feel like they've been missing that element. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. I mean, I think they haven't really had that the last couple seasons because, you know, two years ago, it's sort of the the end of the the Baker Mayfield era and the, the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff. And like, so that locker room was probably as divided and as bad as it, as it has been in uh, since Stefanski took over. And then I think last year you still, you and I talked about it on the pod, especially after, you know, we all the clips of the, the defense pointing fingers at each other after blown coverages and, you know, comments from the locker room about they're still not really together as a unit offense and defense aren't really, you know, they're very siloed and separated. So it feels like, yeah, over the past couple of years, like it went from all the good feelings that they had early on uh, in that first year under Stefanski. And then things kind of go in the opposite way in terms of like camaraderie or just togetherness or whatever word you want to use. So I think you're spot on with them, like really trying to bring the group together um, and bring in dudes that, you know, not only was like John Johnson's tenure in Cleveland, not very productive, but you know, he was a guy that was sending tweets and saying stuff in the media that their other players probably raised some eyes at. And it, and it feels like with some of these signings, um, not only are they good football players, which is the most important part, but they seem like dudes that, um, although we'll get to maybe Juan Thornhill and where, <laughs> and where his very online yeah. persona may end up, but you know, yeah. between, um, yeah, between Darius, um, between McLeod, um, between Ogbo, who they brought in, like just seem like dudes who kind of, you know, good personalities, put their heads down and get to work. And, um, you know, so that's really exciting. And then the other thing I think, like, especially like with Zadarius um, and, and Ogbo, like they now have, I, I forget who had this tweet, um, so forgive me for no credit, but um, I think, you know, between him, between Ogbo, Miles and Zadarius, they have like, three of the top 10 defensive players and pressure rate, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's yeah. just, I think that's you know, Cleve TA. That, we, I think that's I believe it was Cleve TA. There. Yes, that's, that's right. Shout out to, shout out to Cleve TA. He, uh, he puts good stuff out there. So, um, you know, I think they're actively trying um, to alleviate one, like the amount of attention and pressure that miles My- had to put on himself when he had absolutely nobody helping him. And, you know, aside from, Jadavion Clowney's one sort of decent year. I don't think he's really had somebody on the other side of that line um, of the quality of Zadarius. So, you know, I think that's a smart thing to do. And I think pressure rate is a really important and useful statistics in terms of, you know, predicting uh, defensive line play and and what they can do. So, um, yeah, I mean, between the coordinator change, uh, and some of these defensive signings, like it, it, it really does feel like they, you know, they circled what they needed to try and fix. Um, you may not agree with all the sort of free agent signings or, or some of the things they did in the draft, but like they, they very much, I think, know at least in a realm, like, you know, here's what we need to shore up to literally make our roster as good as possible. And it, and it's going to fall on the shoulders of the quarterback essentially, because we're going to try and shore everything else up. So um but yeah, I think if you saw that intro video that the Browns put out from Zadarius, like the day he got to Cleveland, he just seems like a really like, and I think like through his playing career too, like his sack celebrations are always incredible. Like he seems just like a really fun loving dude. Um, yeah. And the Browns need, <laughs> the Browns have been through some uh, fair amount of negativity, some brought on by themselves over these last couple of years. So they, they need some maybe fresh eyes in that locker room. And I think 
those are all good things. Yeah, I don't have an exact science behind it, but I, I feel really optimistic about just the people they're bringing in, which is yep. never something quantifiable. But to your point, extremely likable veterans. I know Juan Thornhill is very much on social media, but it seems like that guy like lives, breathes, sleeps football. And, uh, you know, I think John Johnson uh, missed L.A. Let's put it that way. I, I don't think there was a, a moment he didn't miss in being out there. And I think you can attest to to, to, to uh, now living out there and experiencing that, that it's hard to leave. But like, I just have a better vibe around the the people that, and even Dalvin Tomlinson, who's just, you know, he's going to link up with miles. Like the, he's, he's a Marvel nerd. Like, I don't know, man, yep. I, I, I have, I've, I totally, again, nothing here is uh, I'm saying is scientific. It's just a vibe. Like the, the vibes are better around. I think the roster and the types of guys that they have. And I, I hope that that comes to fruition. I've talked a lot about process versus results in the last two weeks now. And, and I, and I, again, just think that the process has been extremely good and, and, and we're chasing the results that uh, would be really nice to, to follow what I think has been a sound off season process. We'll see if they, they do anything else uh, to, to bolster some other positions, D tackle running back, whatever. Uh, and we'll be here to talk about that. Probably talk about it too much, but uh, it kind of leads into the second part of this Jordan, which is the preseason predictions, right? So I, I had again, talked to, to, to Andrew Spade yesterday about, it felt like everybody woke up after the weekend where the Browns made a move and started looking at the roster and like, oh, okay, well, this is actually a pretty good roster now. They've plugged a lot of holes. They got a lot of people that, you know, a lot of experts around the league like, and it was just kind of funny being, uh, uh, figure out the Browns Monday is basically what it was. Uh, I think predictions are shifting a little bit, uh, but but it feels like they are probably still a little slept. I, I don't think, let me put it this way. Do you think people view the Browns as a serious division title contender? Um, I don't like, I don't think they did. Um, and I still don't think most people do. Like, I think, you know, the, the Bengals and the Ravens now with like Lamar back in the fold and, and Todd Monk in there and, you know, what they did in the draft was a flower. Like, I feel like the, the Bengals and Ravens from my general perception of things is like that the Browns are going to be third after those two, um, it is funny though that you say that. Yeah, that like people started to look at the Browns roster and were like, "Oh, actually, <laughs> they have some pretty good players." Um, yeah. And I don't think it is unreasonable to think like there's going to be enough of um, improvement from Deshaun that like even if he's a average to above average quarterback, which is not what you're hoping for, obviously. Like they're hoping he's an elite quarterback, but even if like he hits a a baseline of a, of a decent quarterback. I mean, you saw what the Browns did last season for at least most of the year with on offense with Jacoby under center, right? Like they, they were getting above average quarterback play and, you know, they had some catastrophic losses that weren't the fault of the offense. Um, but like they, they had a good, they had a good to, you know, very good offense for a little bit of that season. So like, it's not beyond reason to think that, yeah, you look at the roster and you're like, Oh, well, why was I down on the Browns? And it's like, okay, yes, if Deshaun plays like he did last year, then 100%. But I think there's a, a fairly reasonable expectation that he's going to be better. It would be hard for him to be worse. I mean, he was he was as bad as he's ever been in his career, and it wasn't even close. So, um, so yeah, but I If he I gets worse, it won't the, be fun. Uh, no, if he gets worse, then the whole thing, it's a house of cards and it's going to collapse. But, like, um, yeah, it's funny because I think, like, Matt Miller tweeted 
got one of the tweets rolling on, I think it was Friday, um, or maybe it was, no, it looked, it was yesterday where he, he was like, am I crazy for thinking the Browns could be really good? Um, and then Damian Woody followed up and said, they're my dark horse team in the AFC. And so I think maybe there's a little with the Zadarius move and like thinking about the, what their defense looks like and the, and the pieces they've put around Deshaun on offense that like people are like, oh, wait, should I be thinking that the Browns are like better than they are? But I, I don't know if it's unfair to like until Deshaun proves it uh, to place them above like the Ravens or the Bengals. So I can see both sides, but I, I think your point is very funny about like people all of a sudden remembering that the Browns actually have had like a pretty good roster outside of the quarterback for the past few years. Um, and quarterback play is what has sunk them. So um, yeah, I, that's a, that's a very funny point that people are like, Oh, wait a second. I forgot about everybody else on the Browns. So. I mean, that to me is uh, the, the Browns get ignored because most in the national media and, and for, for right or wrong, I'm not here to, to judge anyone. It's the, we've talked about it again on this show. It's nothing new that, Call it the Deshaun Watson tax. Like they're just ignored because people don't want to think mm-hmm. about them. And th- and that's again, if you don't want to accept that from other people, that's you kind of just living in your own world of of trying to ignore reality. But there are some people who can't accept it, and from that means they just ignore the Browns as much as they can ignore them, and then uh, you know kind of quietly hush hush on the side, say, yeah, I think they're actually pretty good because they are. They have done a great job with the process this off season, they have done a great job plugging a lot of the issues. The defense is reshaped in so many ways and the, and the coordinator changes and all of that. And yeah, they, they should be much better. And I was talking to you off air here before we started about, yeah, I'm not a, all too keen on everything Warren Sharp puts out there. I think he, he, he dips his foot into waters of uh, things he shouldn't be talking about confidently, but he did a great study that is well worth your time. If you go look at his Twitter feed about the NFL's craziness uh, because the schedules are changing and now they're adding all these flex games and all these uh, rotating times and it's just it's getting chaotic and uh, it seems like as primetime games start to take precedence the the rest built into schedules is different for every team as we know it's not necessarily who's on your roster we looked at we look at the schedules when they come out we're all we all kind of fall victim of looking at uh, predicting schedule strength off of last year's win-loss record and, and all of that, when that's not uh, indicative of how a team's going to be this year for the most part after numerous changes, coaches, whatever, uh, personnel, all the above. And uh, it, it feels like we're still not really finding a perfect way to look at predicting schedule outcomes. And an uh, element of this is looking at you know a time at which you play a team, which is very important. Now, there are things we can't notice until the season gets here, such as injuries or any of the other factors around uh, performance, maybe someone falls off, you didn't expect to fall off, so on and so forth. But you can look at rest days, which is interesting, you know, because it's not something you think about very often is how often your team gets another team where you have a rest advantage, meaning you get six days and the only other team only gets five days until the game, right? Or you're coming off of a bye week and the other team is coming off of a regular game week, right? So it's a fascinating study about how the NFL has gotten sort of more bold in their approach and they're uh, widening the gap between teams that are on the advantage side of this and the disadvantage side. Lucky for you, if you're a Browns fan listening to this, the Browns are in like the third best situation with rest days ahead of time here. They're like plus 10 the in terms of net days of rest against what the opponent has, which is obviously a super positive number. I think there's only four teams ahead of them, but uh, it's, it's really positive. 
There are teams at the bottom, like negative 20. Like I think the, the chiefs are down there where the chiefs have something silly. Jordan, like they, they, from weeks 12 through 17, they're at a rest disadvantage in every game, which is nuts. And then like, yeah. I know that I think the, on the other the side Niners of that are dead last. Yeah. Niners are like negative dead last 20. at negative 20, which is wild. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's tough. And it, and sometimes those before you, you finish up on the other side there and, like some of those West Coast teams just have to do so much more traveling on top of that. So not only is it like, you know, lack of rest, but they're also just on a plane for way oh, yeah. more hours because of, yeah. you know, the gap in between where teams are located. So, um, so that's, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really fascinating. And I think the Browns were only like 25th in the NFL this upcoming year for miles traveled, which it does yep. look at how often you're getting out and moving and all that stuff. And we obviously know that the Browns also, you know, petitioned and seem to have gotten their way to avoid coming. I don't know if they're going to go to Denver and then just go to LA and not come back to Cleveland, which would probably be pretty wise if you ask me, but we'll see how they're going to handle that uh, trip out there. But yeah, to, to, to kind of wrap it up, just, just uh, uh, situationally, because you said the 49ers, which again, the Browns are one of the heavy teams on their schedule because they come off the Browns obviously have that week five, I think it's week five, the week five buy and then host yeah, the 49ers the week after that, where the 49ers are also flying to Cleveland. But like on the flip side, the Raiders have, I think I saw the Raiders have six teams that are, that are come. They, they play six teams immediately off of Monday night football appearances. Now those could change because Monday night football also now allows for flex situations. It's getting crazy. It's, it's going to be more crazy than we've ever seen NFL tickets in a new place. Now all these games, we've kind of conditioned our brains to believe Fox is the NFC and AFC is CBS. And now they're all free agent games and it's going to be weird. It's just going to be really bizarre. But like the Raiders get these teams coming off Monday night football six times. And that hadn't happened more than four times or something. I don't think it happened yet. More than four times at any point in a schedule in the past 35 years, but they're getting six of those. It's kind of, it's just weird and wild. And I, I think the schedule stuff is going to be analyzed now that Warren has got a pretty wide reach has put this out. I would imagine this is going to get uh, hyper criticized and like picked apart, but we'll see if the NFL keeps getting more bold year to year. But for now, I guess the the thing that you can rest easy about is that your Browns are at a, at what a perceived advantage on this, uh, on the right side of things. So I don't know if that helps or changes your predictions at all, Jordan, but it is nice uh, in the midst of what looks like a pretty tough schedule. No, it is nice. And I think like your, the point about that San Fran game is, is a pretty big one because you know, it, it is not an easy opening schedule for the Browns in terms of, you know, playing, what, three division games out of the first four and then, you know, with the Titans in there. But then, yeah, immediately having to play what, you know, depending on their quarterback situation and, and who starts for them. But regardless, like we've seen what Shanahan has done with literally any person that he puts under center. So it's going to be, I mean, it's a hard game yeah. and it's, it's a hard defense to play. And so having not only, you know, after the bye, but then, you know, to have San Fran – uh, have less rest and also have to fly across the country is um, that's a big deal. Like those things matter. Now, do they matter enough to completely change the outcome of a game? No, but like it, it is absolutely a factor. You're in a different time zone. Your, your schedule is completely, your routine's completely thrown off. And um, so, yeah, so no, I think it's a, it's a really interesting thread. Like you said, um, if you haven't uh, checked it out, um, head over to Warren Sharp's Twitter and look at it because those things do in a game where, you know, like we've talked about for years now, ever since Thursday night football became so prominent about, you know, some of the, the product that is usually um, showcased on the field on those Thursday night games has been, you know, 
historically it's pretty bad. And it's because these teams, yeah. a lot of these teams have four days of rest, you know, they're playing a game Sunday and having to have three days to, to rest their bodies from all of the, the things that happened to them on Sunday. And I mean, it's, it's an, an, you've heard players talk about how difficult it is, how much they hate it, all that stuff. So, I mean, it plays into it. Like if you're not fully rested and, and don't have your normal routine going, like it, it changes how you play. Um, and, and the uh, level that you play at. So um, the Browns being not only on like the positive side, but like one of the, you know, top, top four, top five teams on the positive side is definitely only going to, to kind of help them as they try to have a big kind of bounce back season. You know, what's funny. I was thinking about this as I read about, I think it was a, a go long. Uh, Tyler Dunn wrote an article about Kevin Cobb. Uh, or Kevin Kolb? I've never known if I've said his name right. I but... think it was, I believe it was Kevin Cobb because it was always like, I just thought of a Cobb salad when I thought about him. So Delicious Cobb salad. But uh, oh, I could use a few more job. of those myself. Um, <laughs> but it's just funny how concu- like we, we had this huge thing about concussions and, and it was everywhere and it was threatening the game. Is football going to be around in a decade? And doesn't it kind of feel like we're working away from it? We've added an extra week. You're flexing games to Thursday nights, to, to multiple Thursday games a season. You're sending guys to Germany, to London, multiple straight games across overseas. Like it feels like they're just getting like more and more bold here with player safety. I mean, it kind of dawned on me when you were talking just a second ago how far they're they're pushing the threshold here of 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 where they're taking these guys and their health because it's like they're not doing them any favors like, at all no i mean i don't i think player safety in the nfl has always been a pretty big myth like i don't i don't think anyone truly cares about it now they may care about it on a very baseline level um and and they do pr things to say they care about it but yeah i mean after a season in which what we saw with tua and everything that he went through uh, and he's, you know, already back and like, uh, it's the right thing for me to do to keep playing football, which like, you know, hey, man, it's your it's your decision, your life. But like, you know, we these things happen and then the NFL just hopes you kind of forget about it. And, and is like, yeah, like, how can we uh, expand our market to as many places as possible so we can just continue to make billions and billions of dollars? So, yeah, man, I mean, it's it's always going to be the part of football that's the toughest to reconcile is sort of the, the true like and, and as someone who worked there and, and got brief glimpses into how some of these things work, it's like, there's just no care about it. Like the league and their profits are always going to come first and they want to expand globally and yeah, flex as many games as they can so they can make more, you know, get more people to watch so they can say to advertisers, these are our ratings. I mean, like it is, as with any sort of ginormous business, it is the part where you peel back the layers and you're like, Oh, it's pretty messed up, <laughs> you know, but it's, that's always going to be the part of it, but you're right, yeah. man. It's just got, I, I wonder if it gets to a point, somebody brought this up and I thought it was really interesting. I know this might be, take us on a bit of a tangent, but I think it's, I think it's warranted. Like, is there ever going to be a point where there's too much football? Like it's too saturated where like the NFL is having games on, almost every day of the week and they're you don't know what teams are playing and they're playing in all these different countries and is there a point where like it becomes too much you know like it it, like is it a a thing where like there's too many marvel movies that people don't care about anymore you know like i wonder 
I wonder if it ever gets to that point. I, I think it would have to be really extreme, but it is like, I, you know, you guys have this great product. It's already the most popular sport in the world, or, or I should say the, you know, the U S by far. And it's like, how much more do you guys really need? Like, like at some point, you can do something where where people are going to be like, this is actually the product stinks and I don't want to wa- get up at five o'clock in the morning so I can watch my team in Germany for the third time this season, you know? So that is really fascinating yeah. to me. I forget who brought it up, but like, yeah, can, is there a day where football feels oversaturated? And I wonder if, you know, there's a point where it, it becomes that, but um, for now, I don't know. It's fair to have that concern as they keep pushing the threshold further and further around this thing. You know, it's, I, I just kind of in the middle of us having the talk about this, uh, it just like it hit me of they're working in a really vastly different direction than if you would have told the people going through, you know, when this was at its its peak, I don't know, what was the 2010, 2011? feels like the Colin Kaepernick situation just took everybody's mind off of it. But when that was at its peak and people were talking about the game being done in a decade and blah, and you told them, now actually, hey, in a decade, we're going to have, multiple days a week of games we're going to have short rest schedules for teams we're going to have we're going to have a um an extra week in the year right it, it, i just i don't know i don't it's it's wild yeah. it, to your point they are dancing on a dangerous line of you're you you might be giving people like, su- sunday football from the nfl is the thing and i get you want to you want to put your games in other parts of the world and I, i'm totally understanding of that but like you got a great thing that Sunday one o'clock kickoff when there's like seven games going on. That is just that's the better. best. It's the best. Yeah. And, and now flirting like, like I feel like they're going to be before what's the next decade bring like doubleheader Monday night games. And like, and that's, yep. well, and that's great, man. Too, like to, to that end as well. It's like, yeah. Like, do you dilute the specialness of Monday night football of thir- even Thursday night football of, I remember when the Browns played in London for the first time and like, it was an exciting thing to like set my, I'm not a morning person. And I was very happy to, to get up at like six or 7am, whatever time that game started and, and watch them play while I was in bed. Like that was a cool thing. And it was like, yeah, it was cool. Cause it happened once. It hasn't happened again since, but like, are we going to get to a point where like, oh, the Browns are in London again, and it's not even like an enjoyable thing because it's not special anymore because they're doing it so often. And it it, it feels a little like, especially like, like Thursday night football to me, a little bit already feels like that, where it doesn't really feel like when the Browns are on it, it's that big of a deal anymore. I think Monday night football still holds that sort of uniqueness, but now we're at the point, like you said, with flexing these games and you know, are they going to aim to play on other days of the week in the future? And like, I just think it, there can certainly be a point where it's like, well, you've sort of lost the excitement and, and specialness of having a national, nationally televised game that is on, you know, this is Monday Night Football. And I, I understand there's always more money to be made. I just wonder if there's a point where when you lose that from the fans, if then there's a bit of a plateau. So I, I think that will be a very interesting conversation in the next like five, 10 years to see where that goes. Two old men resisting change. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> and I, so, you know, I don't, I don't like it. to be the old man yelling at a cloud, but I yeah. will, I will, I will whisper to a cloud at this moment. I, I think your comparison to Marvel's perfect where the diehard football people will always be in. They'll always be in right. Fantasy footballers, all that. They'll always be there. But I'm sort of that person who never read a Marvel comic, but I I enjoyed 
certain po- I mean, I enjoyed the first run, the, the phase they had through in, 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 in what is it in game, like loved it, but I wasn't, I'm not committed to the next stuff. They've oversat. It's hard to get involved. And like, you do threaten that a little bit uh, with oversaturation. So I think that's just a really appropriate comparison. We'll see if it uh, ends up being a place that they get to. Let's hope not because you know, the NFL is just, it's just, uh, it's not pure. Cause that's probably the wrong word based on our conversation, but it's just, <laughs> it's such a rite of passage, man. Like those yep. theme songs from Fox and CBS and the Monday night song and the Sunday night song. And that's Thursday night's biggest issue. They don't have the right theme song yet, but, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's all embedded in you uh, at this point. And they're, they, I'd hate to see them screw it up by trying to get too, almost like it's not too creative, but just hungry for more and more and more. It would be a disappointment. So yeah, wrapping up old man, uh, old men yelling at the cloud segment. <laughs> we'll be right back. We're going to take a break. Come back. If you don't want to hear any more about football, fine. We're going to talk succession. Uh, we've talked enough Browns. We've talked enough football. Um, we wanted Jordan put out a tweet the other day and, uh, talking about uh, a show on HBO called Succession. So if you have no clue what that is, which there might be a large portion of you, you can shut this podcast off and you don't even have to hear any ads during this podcast. Lucky you. If you want to hear a little bit of that talk, hang out a bit. We'll be right back after this break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we're going to talk succession. I don't even know that I have that much to say uh, other than I felt like, let me say it this way. I said it to Ben Axelrod on Twitter. Uh, it felt like I was watching their version of Righteous Gemstones, like in a corporate world <laughs> version of that where these are just, I knew that the the young kid, the kids, they're not young anymore, but the kids couldn't handle it. But how it's going down is, it's just it's such good TV, but it's cringeworthy at times in the right kind of cringeworthy ways. It's got the Greg one-liners. How golden is it? How golden is that silence? That was just utterly hilarious in his eyes. When he walked away from Shiv in the room, when he talks to Kendall, it's just great. But like, is this show the best show you've ever seen? I got to start it with there. Is it like at the top of your list? Because it just hasn't missed this entire season. Has there ever been a show of a season, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, some of the best to ever do it, that has had an episode of a final season that has just not missed, period? Yeah, I think I think it's a totally fair question. I think I would put I would put season four of The Wire to me is is like the the pinnacle of that. Um, I don't know if you're a, a Wire person or if you've seen it, and it's pretty, you know, like The Wire is pretty dated now. Um, 
I mean, it's still a very good show, but like it's old enough now where there are a lot of people that may not have seen it. Um, but I, I would put season four of The Wire up against um, any sort of season of television that I've seen. But I, I've said this to some people. I think that Succession is the best written show I've ever seen. Like, I think, you know, for a show that is pretty much just just dialogue, right? Like, it's, there's not a lot of quote-unquote action. Um, it's not like Game of Thrones where you can break up dialogue with dragons, you know, um, yeah. spewing fire at each other. Um you know, the show is people talking in rooms um, for the entire thing. And for a show like that to succeed, you have to have incredible characters and incredible writing. And I, I think it is the best, like taking out any other, you know, sort of genres of show. It's the best written show I've ever I've ever watched. I think the dialogue between characters and how each character is so, so well written and so defined. And, and like, there's not a there's not a character on Succession that you're like, well we didn't really need that person or what, what purpose did that character serve? Like there's, there's none of that. Every character in that show um, is phenomenal. So I think I would put it, it's in my top probably three, like of, of just shows in general, but I think like written, like the dialogue, I think it blows most shows out of the water. I don't really know if there's one that comes close to comparing it, at least uh, comparing to it, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's like it's surprising to see something non-Sorkin do that well, you know? It's just uh, yep. Yep. the writing is so good. Sometimes they'll lose me. Like, they'll say some – they'll throw some business lingo in. It is so, like, fast-paced with every conversation, especially in season four. And I listen – I don't I kind of say this a lot, but one of the few pods I get a chance in the time in my life, the craziness in my life to listen to is Rosillo. And um, they talk about this show, too, and it kind of talks about how – it. Ending it after four seasons is perfect. You could draw out succession to six or seven seasons. We'd all watch it, but they're putting like, it's a fastball every episode. It's like a, a Randy Johnson fastball every episode, like to run shows that, that, that run on IMDb at eight, seven, nine, oh, nine, 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 two, nine, two, eight, nine, nine, three, nine, six. Those are all the ratings of a single season of shows. And I'm surprised there's any of them that have found their way into the eight. So like, I, I mean, I don't know where it goes. I guess we could close with this is just kind of they have two episodes left here. There's the church and state one coming, which is going to be fascinating funeral television. And then I think it's an hour and a half uh, is, the, is. is the finale yep. uh, with with open eyes is the name of that one. Where, where does this end? Because I thought it was going to end with Brian Cox death closer or something serious closer to the end. But obviously that happens early and to set the stage for some just hilarious. These kids are so incompetent at what they're trying to do uh, stuff here. So I, I, it's, I can't think Shiv gets out of this. Okay. With, with, with the decisions she has made, although she, you know, she's, she's right. She's one of the few people trying to uphold an actual democracy in those moments of last episode. She's, she's got some moments of being right, but she just can never quite see past her own ambition to, to see what chess pieces have to be moved. And it's like, I don't know. I can't see Shiv doing it. Who do you have? Like, who's your winner? Who's, is there even a winner? That's gonna yeah, come well, yeah. So that's the thing. Right. And the thing I put on Twitter that, that you and I sort of uh, talked about too, was like, wh who is the, the worst Roy sibling out of, I mean, they're all terrible. I mean, I think you can take Connor out of it because Connor, Connor and Willa have actually become like the only like actual decent couple on the show like they yeah, they both true. know what they are they both know what they're getting out of the relationship and 
Um, I mean, Connor's an idiot, but like, you know, he's, I don't think he's like some horror. I, I don't think he's a horrible person. I just think he's really dumb. Um, but like, I, so I remove him out of it because he's not really even in the conversation um, for both like who would win and worst Roy sibling. I think like, I think Roman is probably just by pure, like good and evil. I think Roman's probably the worst. Um, but the thing I said on Twitter was like, Shiv almost is worse than Roman because at least Roman is transparent about being awful. Like he doesn't care. And you saw that like front and center in the, the election night episode where he's just basically backing a fascist because he wants a, he wants access to him for ATN. Um, and he'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. Um, Kendall. God, he was amazingly took... annoying in that episode too. Like just, Oh my God. Perfectly he, I wanted annoying. to punch him in his face every, every five minutes. <laughs> Um, Kendall kind of like tries to toe the line between like, well, this, I know this would be bad. So should I do it? But like, in the end, he's going to do again. I mean, they all are just going to do what benefits them, but like Shiv in that area is maybe the worst because she tries to hide it behind like, oh, well, we have to save democracy and I'm a, I'm a progressive person and all this stuff. When really like, I don't actually think she is. Uh, she just tries to, you know, it just aligns with like what she wants to do and who she wants to be. So having, having said all that though, I think my prediction is that no one is that none of the siblings win because like you said, like Shim's Shiv, I think is, is completely compromised after her, her cover is blown and she's aligning with the wrong people and Tom hates her. And like, she doesn't have any allies anymore. So I don't think it's going to be Shiv. I think like, I feel fairly confident that like, what Roman did calling the election for Mankin is going to come back to bite him in the ass. Um, and now he's also like beholden to this dude. Like he wanted this so bad that he basically is just like, has to let this dude do whatever he wants. And so I don't think it's going to work for him because he's in way too deep. And for a little while, I did think like it was going to come full circle and Kendall was going to end up winning, but like he, he can't make a decision. Something about and he him. Just, yeah. The decision yeah, stuff. He and he's always like, like he hates himself and ever since yeah, the yeah, which yeah, the yeah. biggest surprise of his arc and I'll let you finish is like this whole death at the at the where where was it the wedding rehearsal or whatever it was where he's involved with that waiter and like that oh, I know maybe that's one, yep. yeah maybe that secret died with 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 Logan but like I don't know man like he he can really just I, I guess you can get away with that kind of stuff but it's just he has no self confidence he has none and he's yep. just always trying to throw words out. And like, I, I, I've, I guess he could, but I feel like to your point, man, the, the Logan doesn't want his kids to have it. And I think ultimately his kids are going to screw it up so bad that the board is going to vote them out. They're going to be forced to be voted out and someone else is going to take over. And it's going to be like Logan from his grave ultimately won that the kids couldn't yeah, do it. I mean, they, they proved kids couldn't right. do it. And, and, you know, I don't think this will actually happen, but it would be very poetic if Greg, who every season has done something very sneaky, like very sneakily, like he's always got something up his sleeve, whether it's the um, keeping the Wasabi. documents, never know, about um, that. <laughs> which like might be the best, one of the best minutes of television ever. But like, you know, like season one, Levin LaCroix, Levin LaCroix. <laughs> but like he keeps the documents from the cruises that that Tom wants him to shred, and he uses it as blackmail to get a better position at the company. Um, 
I forget he, there's one other thing that he does. Um, but like every season and now this one, he's got the, you know, he knows that Shiv is working with Matson, and he, and he tells Kendall and like, he always has some information or is doing something and he plays it really smartly, even though on the outside, he also is just a total buffoon. So like, I don't know. I would love it if the series just ended and not like he'd be like CEO of Waystar because that would be absurd, but like he comes out in a better position than anybody because Greg just always at the end of these seasons always has something up his sleeve and everybody underestimates him because he's this loafing fool and he, he always plays his cards correctly. So I don't know, man. I'm very intrigued by that. But yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a sibling. I think it's going to be like Tom or Greg will do something or like Jerry comes back into the picture, like who knows, but yeah. I don't, I don't think any of the siblings win because like you said, Logan didn't want them to, he knew they were idiots. So he's like, he, he, that is he kind knew of they the eat themselves of the show. Yep. They eat themselves alive. And that's kind of the sick part of the whole underlining slash maybe crossing out Kendall's name. It's just absolutely. Yep. It's just great writing. And I got to say, too, the acting has been so good this season. Like, I think it's Matthew McFadden, McFadden, Mm -hmm. uh, who's playing Tom, uh, who's playing Tom, who's who's just like that balcony scene with him and Shiv was so good, man. Like, just so good. And obviously, Shiv, Sarah, Sarah Snook plays that role extremely well. She's been great. But like, I think Tom uh, has played a really, really fun role. And again, like you're talking about that playing that card from Greg, like for him to just just like that derpy kind of way, just like silence is gold. Like how gold, how golden is it? Like how golden is it? And she's like, I won't, I won't, what'd she say? Like, I won't, uh, I'll let you keep your organs or something like that. And then he actually tells Kendall inside your body. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then when he tells Kendall, like I had to rewind it twice and my wife was so annoyed. I'm like, I've got to see Greg's smile. Like that little smirk. The smiles he walked past. Oh man. um... It was great. It cracks me up, man. No, it is, you know, it is one of the, it's just, yeah. I mean, this season has been another level, but man, like I just love, even though the characters are all horrible people, it's a testament to the writing that like, you just want to spend Sundays with them. Like you want to, you just want to hang out with them in this screwed up universe that they, I mean, it's not like it's some, it's a very, I think like that election episode was such like PTSD about 2016. Like, so they, I mean, it's I didn't very, it's say so it, well it is. done. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could actually like, feel like you they did an unbelievable job of making you feel that like you could feel yeah. the air like what did we just do like it was so well and for a show that is again just these derpy kids essentially and it's like to have that moment feel so real and like I was palpable like you could you could you know, I don't know it depends where you're where everything lies for you. But like, uh, again, that, that was, that was just great. I, we have to get together at the end, uh, a couple weeks, a month, whenever. Absolutely. And, and talk about what happens. But, but man, it is, uh, it's really good. It's a really good show. And if you haven't watched it, I've had some people who have just, you know, who have not watched it. Take the time. I'm, I'm going to have to rewatch it at some point. Cause I, I just, uh, I've enjoyed it too much. And uh, it's just it's sad that it's coming to an end, man. Sad. Because it's been I don't so know what I'm gonna, I've been joking around with people and like it's gonna end and I guess I'm just gonna like stare at a wall all summer. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do without <laughs> without succession and no new no new episodes of that show ever. It's uh yeah, it's gonna be tough, it man. Sucks. I mean it's one of the like it's one of the shows that I um you know, like I watch every Sunday that like I keep am keeping up with, you know, like with Breaking Bad, I didn't watch it when it was on. I basically went back and 
you know, same thing with The Wire, same thing with like The Sopranos, like these shows that I was not watching when they were live on a live airing. Um, and Succession is one of those shows where like I've been watching it ever since it, you know, debuted and watching it live. So it's it's a different thing when you feel like, you know, you're along for the ride as it's happening. And so when it ends, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be weird because it's just going to kind of exist now as as these four seasons and, and there'll never be anything new. But um, no, like you said, I think it's perfect ending it um this season and i think it's let them yeah like i think you the term you use like a fastball every episode i think it's such a good way to put it because i think that's what it's allowed them to do Be like okay we're gonna finish so like let's empty the tank <laughs> and they have they have emptied it in an incredible way not a second to waste have you been watching anything else we we watch dave i don't know if you're into that uh it, it's i do so good it's, it doesn't <laughs> dave, make any sense wild. how good it is it's wild but it's so good Dave is absolutely um, wild. Um, the uh, I have one one other show recommendation. I have also tweeted about this. Sort of, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it's a show that's called uh, Jury Duty, and it is unlike anything I've ever seen. It is essentially um, a reality show about a jury, about what it's like to be on a jury. But what they did was everybody involved in the show is an actor. Uh, except for one person who's on the jury and he's unaware that everybody is an actor and that the trial that he's participating in isn't real uh, oh, and God. all of this stuff. Um, but they make it as ridiculous as possible. Like they do, they have ridiculous people that are on the jury with him. The case is absurd. The lawyers are absurd, like all this stuff. Um, and this guy that is the non-actor is just maybe like the purest human being I've ever come across in my life. And the way he, the way he just deals with the situations they throw at him and they get increasingly more absurd. And he, at no point does he ever like be like, am I being punked? Like it never happens. And then when it, the, it ends and there's a reveal, like it is, it is phenomenal. Each episode is like a half hour. It's on, um, it's on Amazon prime video has like a, a streaming service within it that's called freebie but anyway if you go on amazon prime yeah. if you have prime video and you search jury duty it'll pop up um i i, I can't recommend it enough it is it's, it's i i have not laughed this hard at a show in a very long time and the concept is incredibly unique so i just finished that a little while ago and i i highly recommend it so it's called jury duty check it out okay that's good the bear season two comes out Oh um, yeah, June twenty second. That'll be a good one. Looks really fun. Uh, the first season was phenomenal. Check that out. I only have one other recommendation on my end: a show called Silo, uh, which is an Apple TV show. Which is um, it's a weekly release too. I've seen the first one. I haven't. I can't give you all three, but I have seen the first one, and it is uh, really good. I've enjoyed it. So there's That's, the the TV uh, bit for everybody right there. The huh? TV bit. I uh, I got my hair cut earlier today, and uh, two people in the barbershop were talking about Silo. So that's the second time I've heard a Silo reference today. I have not seen it, so I guess I got a good turn cast. On. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson from Dune uh, leads it. So oh, she excellent. is uh, really right. good. She's really good. Well worth your time. So check it out, guys. You got a bunch of succession talk, and then Jordan and I'll try to get together in like a month and figure out time to to yuck it up on the finale if you're into that kind of thing. This was fun, man. It's good to talk again. We miss you. Uh, great to be on, as always. Um, yeah, we we still got some months to go, but 
But yeah, man, it's good to talk some Browns after a, a hiatus and uh, the trade. Yeah, like I said, trade got me some football tingles. So getting excited. Uh, but yeah, it's always good to come on, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll put out the bat signal for Jordan again here soon. It's always good to check uh, check in with him, talk with him. I know he's busy with the NBA playoffs and the madness around that. If you're a Spurs fan, like all seven of you that might listen to this pod, congratulations. <laughs> you got Victor Wimiyama, so. Yeah, our big can, can we real quick before hyped. we hang up here? Like, what what is the hype thing? Like, what, what's going on? Why why can why can we not say these dumb things? I have to say this: the the hype around LeBron was unparalleled, unparalleled. Like, how could I? I like Victor Wimbanyama, but come on, he's not even in the ballpark. Here, am I am I crazy? Here's what here's here's what I'll say to that. I I okay, don't know give if me it a quite reaches. I don't know if it quite reaches the LeBron hype, but um. Now, this isn't exactly an apples to apples comparison because LeBron did not go to college, so he didn't and his I mean he did have a high school game that was on that was nationally televised. But the the NBA this entire season has streamed Wembenyana's game his games with his his team uh, in France. Uh, they have streamed every one of his games. You could go onto the NBA app and you could watch a player that is not in the NBA and is not playing for like the G League. Uh, that's affiliated and you could watch every single one of his games. So now it's a different time. Um, It's, you know, different, a lot of different circumstances, but I have, we talk about this at at work a lot. Like we have never seen something where the NBA is promoting a player that has, it'd be like if they broadcast every Duke game with Zion Williamson, you know, like that, if they were allowed to do that, that is like, the similar comparison. So do you think they think... could have, they would have done that if they could have? Cause I think they do. They, they would have. Oh, I think the Zion hype yeah, was they, nuts too. The Zion hype was nuts. And if they didn't have obviously like a, you know, th- there's rights that CBS and, and other, you know, broadcasters have to it. Um, so that probably would have been a, a logistical nightmare, but um, so I will say it is not exactly the same, but like Killian Mbappe was at, um, the, the French soccer star was at mm-hmm. uh, Wembenyana, who had a game today. By the way, he played his final regular season game, and then uh, this evening got dra- basically found out who was going to draft him. So he had a wild day. But like Mbappe just was in the stands hanging out. He wanted to see uh, Wembenyana. So I don't think it's quite to the same level, but it's I think it's closer than you may think. Jake is what I'll say. I do I do see that it's not Shaquille O'Neal in the first row in Akron. Uh, watching LeBron, but it's close. All right, it's close. It's it is it is close. I just think that there's like, I don't know. We don't we don't have to do this. I just don't think there's ever. Maybe this is me just caring too much about LeBron. I don't know, but it. it I guess it's true too that like it was a different time where people, you know, you saw LeBron's games, high school games on ESPN here and there. Uh, he, he was known, but like it was all magazine. It was all hype, right? Like you, you, you a lot of people didn't really know. I mean, you knew yes. the kid was special, but you didn't really know where it's like every single moment of women Yama's games are like they're out there. They're for you to be yeah. in front of you. So that that is that is and certainly I, an element to it. I mean, I, I suppose, you know, if LeBron was coming up right now, I mean, much like his son, um, he would be getting the same pro- like the hype would machine would be probably even more out of control. So it, it definitely depends like on the era he came up in. Um, but yeah, for the NBA to be advertising Wemby's games every time he plays is pretty wild, uh, without him actually being part of an NBA team. So that always kind of blows my mind, but, um, yeah, man, I don't know. We'll see. He's going to be, 
he's going to be an unbelievable player. I'm kind of the Spurs getting him kind of bores me, but you know, he's going to be great. So, um, it's pop's retirement gift, I guess. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Although it's going to keep pop from retiring for about another 10 years. So yeah, that's true. Uh, well, he's handled the losing well, so maybe he, uh, he could, he's a good place to go for development. There's no doubt about that. So oh, absolutely. hopefully I mean, that all comes together. Hall of Fame coach in your first year is not a bad way to start. So it's not a bad way to start. That's a pod. That's a football pod masqueraded, uh, you know, as a pop culture pod there for a little while and all that. Other, hey, we've other got stuff, a lot though. of, we've got a lot of layers. We got range. Yeah, we're like, we didn't even we're talk like about the guardians. Man. We didn't even talk about well, the guard or the or the Cavs department. We got we'll get time this summer. We'll we'll get we'll get a we'll yuck yeah. it up at some point. But there have been uh, yeah. some unfortunate endeavors in the two other pro sports <laughs> teams in town. So, all right. Anyway, good show. Thanks to Jordan for stopping by. Appreciate you guys being here. If you're st- if you're still around, sometimes I feel like we ramble at the end of these and nobody sticks around. But maybe you do. And if you do, we appreciate you. Thanks for being here. Check out the OBR. Put up Dewan Jones film room yesterday. He's a big dude. He's a humongous human with a lot of talent and uh, hope it works out because it would be great for Cleveland and it'd be great for him uh, overall. So check that out if you want. More great stuff coming up in running back week. Check all of it out. Thanks to Jordan. Thanks to you guys for being here. Appreciate you. Go Browns.